Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Yeah, welcome back. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about a free download you can get today called the First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This is a video course that I created to help couples learn the first steps to rebuilding trust. It has information for the person who's been betrayed, the person who broke the trust, and also some tips and support for the couple. This is a difficult and messy thing to navigate for most couples, and I've created a concise overview to help you be able to take those first steps. So you can download it using the link in the show notes, and we hope it uh, it's a real support to you in your journey. Yeah. Well, so today we're going to talk a little bit about relapses. Yeah, this is a really, really hard topic. Mm-hmm. When I ran educational groups for couples in recovery for 10, 15 years, this was always a discussion that would just fire up with all the couples together because somebody would use a word like relapse or slip or setback, you know, or, and, and a lot, there was often just a lot of protesting from the betrayed partners mm. who would say things like, oh my gosh, I hate that word so much. I hate the word slip. And it's just like, it just would make them oh. feel like, kind of like the Britney Spears song, right? Oops, I did it again. Like, oh yeah. Right? Like it's right. just like a little- Slip, like, oh, whoops. Oops, tripped on the curb. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that and might so, not do justice to yeah. the effect that it has mm-hmm. and the setback that it really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it would create a lot of energy, a lot of anger, a lot of hurt, feeling so minimized and- yeah, it just yeah, just a hard word. So couples were looking, and I remember telling one of my groups one time. I remember asking them like, "Okay, by the end of this six weeks, I'd like to let's come up with a better word. Like, let's see if we can put our heads together." Yeah, and nobody could. <laughs> nobody could. Everybody would go back and forth, and we would just discuss like the meaning of different words. And I didn't want to take a time on it. Yeah, but it really shows how difficult language is around trying to describe the impact that turning back to problematic patterns and behaviors and injuries, like how to language that in a way that really serves the need of the person who's been hurt. Well, I mean, that serves both needs, Yeah. right? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That serves the need of the person who's really struggling to overcome a difficult habit to Mm -hmm. break and a person who's continually harmed by that habit. Yeah, for sure. And And the discussion that we were having was really about how to help the betrayed partners get their needs met through the language. But you're Mm -hmm. right. It's for both. The other person who's struggling also needs a way to talk about it so that they can also promote healing. Yeah. So that it's not like shaming Mm -hmm. for the recovering partner, but it's also not minimizing. So, I mean, my take on it is that just to talk about it honestly, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's where all the adjectives around it get dicey, Yeah, but just to talk about it honestly... Mm-hmm. You know, as a moment of weakness and poor choices and facing tough consequences. Yeah. 
But what's your experience with that? <laughs> my experience? No? <laughs> well, no, I, I agree with you. My experience with couples in trying to talk about this, it seems like it's more important the way it gets talked about than the actual word that's used. Oh, so like the tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I think the word, I mean, I've had people that like a partner who's not hung up about what they call it because the experience that she's having on her side of it as she's listening to him talk about it. Oh, is he's not trying to play it down no, like it was no big he's not deal. Using so the it, words don't matter. Right. When there's, yeah. so the words, it's like sniffing out, like, is this word being used as a way to protect his shame? Is it a mm -hmm. way to, to, to avoid or evade accountability? <laughs> is it using? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. <laughs> I, I got to hear what's going on for you. This is crazy. I'm just, ha I'm just having a memory of, of you wanting a bite of a kid's ice cream and calling it a teeny little bite <laughs> and the kids knowing that it's going to be like this dad sized bite and oh them gosh. feeling terrified. Guilty. I'm so but guilty. But yeah, we do that. Right. We do that because right, I, I would you use, don't want to come in and be like, can I have this gargantuan bite that's going to look like half of your can ice I cream? Can I eat half of your ice cream, please? <laughs> and call it a tiny yeah. dad bite. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a joke in our family, and I've had to own this, <laughs> that I would use minimizing language around what I was going to do or what I just did. And sometimes I would even defend it. It wasn't that big. <laughs> And man, if everything could be as harmless as a bite of ice cream, because then I would just give them more, right? Just fix right. it. But, right. But that tendency but yeah. is not only your tendency. No. I have the same tendency mm -hmm. in, in other areas just to kind of play down things like what just happened? Wasn't that big a deal? Yeah, yeah. We do. We so hide it, behind our language. It takes just a tremendous amount of personal, a tremendous amount of courage to have that kind of honesty. Yes. To just acknowledge it for what it was. Yes. And I think the language does matter. I think choosing words matters. Yeah. And I, so, you know, for some couples, they may be like, oh my gosh, this is like totally splitting hairs. And I had couples in our workshop, you know, who would just be like, this doesn't matter to us, who cares? And, and I would, you know, I would find out that like, it was because it was being handled in a way that wasn't using the language as a shield. But I still think it's important for couples to be clear about what they're talking about. And, and what, what the words mean. So for some, some people, I mean, the most common words that I've heard are, you know, slip, relapse, setback, mistake, okay. things like that. Mm -hmm. And each one of those just can, you know, really trigger or just activate someone in different ways. Some people are yeah. just like, slip is the wrong word. You know, I had one woman who just said like, why don't we call it what it is? Which is you looking at naked pictures of other women, right? Yeah. Let's call it that. And so for her, it really mattered because she felt like they weren't talking about, even the word pornography to her felt minimizing. She wanted to have it. She felt like he was just backed so far up from what had actually happened mm -hmm. and was probably using all kinds of words around it to sort of shield or buffer him or sort of pad this thing. Mm -hmm. She wanted to just rip all that off. And for her, it felt more real and more healing, more validating just to describe what had actually happened. Mm -hmm. So I think whatever words you use, you have to know what you're, you have to know that you're talking about the same thing. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's, what do you think about that? I guess, is it, does it depend on the couple and where they're at on it? Do you think it's overly shaming for a recovering partner to talk about it? Like this is, I was looking at naked pictures of other women, or I was 
seeking out companionship with mm-hmm. with somebody else that's not you. I think initially it is embarrassing, it's humiliating. I think it does have a shame element, but I don't believe all shame is bad. I think shame exists on a continuum. And so I believe that some shame is healthy and we should feel embarrassed. We should feel bad. And wrapping language around it that acknowledges the reality is critical for healing. Because if you're going to keep talking about it, using our silly example of the dad bite versus what actually it is, it's gaslighting. And it's like, what just happened, what you just saw happen isn't really what happened. Like that's crazy making. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to do that, you know, obviously in a silly way with our children, which, you know, can be a more serious pattern in other areas, but certainly not when we're talking about repairing trust. Like the person who's been injured needs to know that what happened to them is acknowledged by the person who hurt them. Yeah. That like the behavior yes. isn't just like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like kind of hovering in the clouds, like, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Because that's that only per- that only protects the person who betrayed the trust. Oh, yeah. That language protects them. Well, it might protect an ego, but it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't encourage healing. No, it doesn't protect them long in actual healing. No. no. Yeah, it protects and it doesn't their protect ego. the relationship either. No, no. So I do think that it's okay. I think it's important to have the courage to use language that really acknowledges what it is. And if, and if using a word like relapse is the right word for your, your recovery and both of you feel like it really represents what happened and that, then use it. I mean, use whatever words matter. And I I don't think it's healthy to, you know, to, to shame other people or criticize other people for how they need to talk about it. But I think it's okay to ask questions and reflect on, is this word or is the way you're talking about it, accomplishing what you want it to? Is it getting you closer to reality? Is it reflecting reality? Is Mm -hmm. it promoting healing? And I think you have to lead with accountability first. You have to lead with ownership of what exactly happened. So even if you say something like, you know, hey, I need to report a slip or hey, I had a relapse or I had a setback, whatever word you might initially use to start the conversation, it has to be followed with real deep accountability around what happened, where it happened, what, yes. Mm-hmm. It needs to go into like details. Like starting to pay attention to mm-hmm. what what circumstances made yes. it possible or what things you put in motion. And and most importantly, with compassion. Yeah, with a full recognition mm-hmm. that it really affects somebody else. Right, because I think those words that often get used are said without any real compassion. They're said to, again, protect the feelings of the person who broke the trust. They're said to lessen the intensity. They're said to try and just get through it as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and to be concise or to just you know bypass it. And whatever words are used, whatever language is used has to be filled with deep concern and compassion and really devastation for the impact on the hurt partner. Yeah. Like real remorse uh-huh. for how your behavior affects Yeah, not just another person either, like the person that counts on you the most. Right. The person who put their trust in your hands, who has given their life to you, the person who's counting on you to be congruent, the person who's counting on you to be honest. Mm-hmm. And when those things are broken, when those, when those boundaries are violated, when those promises aren't kept, there has to be a, an understanding that that's going to hurt really deeply. And we can't just use language to skirt around that. Mm-hmm. And later on, the, the why it happened and what it all means, like that can come later. And I find that a lot of betrayed partners do, you know, at some point want to understand, like, how did this happen? What was going on? But you can't lead with that. 
that'll just be minimizing and excuses and. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I did, you know, I, I here's it happened yeah, because of I this or this. Really, I was so overwhelmed with this project. Mm-hmm. I got really tired. Yeah, you're right. Then it does yeah. just seem like excuses. So yeah, there's again, a time for that to come up. And it's important that energy is given to making sense of all that and figuring that out oh, so that sure. it can be avoided next time so that you yeah. can put yourself in a better place to not end up there again. Right. Yeah. So I think when, I think when you're trying to talk about, you know, a time where you've crossed a line, where you violated the person's trust, you've broken your own boundaries, you've crossed over that line, whether you call it a slip, a relapse, a setback, whatever words you use, the emphasis initially needs to be on making sure that the betrayed partner feels taken care of. They feel seen, they feel their pain matters. There has to be remorse and accountability and compassion for what happened. And I think when that tone is there, when that heart space is there, when all that's going on, I do think it's a lot easier at that point to, you know, not necessarily worry about what are all the specific concise like labels and words that we're going to use to describe this one thing. Cause there's other nonverbals and other words and other experiences happening that really feel supportive and healthy. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience. Okay. Well, that's a great conversation around a Yes. heated topic. And so maybe some of these things can kind of help you as you're trying to navigate this sticky part of of most betrayals. Yeah. Really trying to invite a conversation around this instead of just going into autopilot or using, you know, what your therapist or what, you know, some group member says about it, like, but to really work together to say like, what is the way that this can really be held up in reality instead of mm-hmm. using minimizing or avoidance language? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the truth is each partner can get into their heart about it. Absolutely. Like there are a lot of skills to be learned and this is a tough and steep road, but each partner is capable of getting into their heart about it. Right, of being able to say, this impacts me this way, this feels this way. And for both people to talk honestly about what they're experiencing and what's happening for them in these conversations mm-hmm. has to be done. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Okay. Well, good luck with that. And hopefully this can give you a starting point. Yeah. And just another important conversation in your recovery journey. Yep. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. And uh, yeah, we hope you'll come back here next time. Yep. We look forward to hanging out with you again. Thanks, everyone. Mm